This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Whether taking a road trip to the beach, heading to the mountains, or driving to the city. Summer adventures are nonstop fun in a new Honda. But let's face it, summer trips can really add up. That's why I love the fuel efficiency of Honda. With Honda, you can save your money for other things, like that awesome keychain at the convenience store, that brand new album you wanted, or whatever else your heart desires. New Hondas are arriving daily. See your local Honda dealer and start your summer adventures today. Hello, this is Hey Dude Shoes. This is an ad, but not for your ears, for your feet. Are they listening? Good. Hey Dude Shoes are the squishiest, airiest, lightest go-to shoes you'll ever have the pleasure of introducing your toes to. So light, a butterfly could steal them. So soft, kittens seethe with jealousy. So cushy, your hands will curse your feet for all the love and attention. Toes, you've hit the jackpot of comfy. Hey Dude, good to go to. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and joining me right now is Max Cohen and Emilio Donnell. This is our post-match show of Holmes' 2-1 victory Friday night against QPR at Craven Cottage. We already did a full-time show, Emilio and I, but now we're going to do a post-match show with Max. It should be fun, so I look forward to doing that with my two co-hosts. And to get us started, as we've been doing on the post-match show lately, I thought I would read some excerpts from the head coach presser, because I find them interesting. I thought that would be our jumping off point to talking about this two to one victory for Fulham. So guys, I'm going to share some quotes from Scott Parker in two parts. Here's part one. That's really about the match. So I will get your comments in just a second. Here are the quotes from Scott Parker quote. I thought we were really poor in the first 20 minutes. I don't think our attitude was poor. It was just QPR started the game really well. They got the goal, and momentum was with them. The longer the first half went on, I saw a committed team that was trying to get themselves back in the game, which was pleasing. The goal came. We hit the post. We changed things around at the half. And from there, put it on performance that was worthy of the win. We had some very good chances after we scored the second. 
to put the game to bed. My team showed a real desire and passion, which I constantly talk about. We have very good technical players, but you also need something extra. And that's a mentality and passion, which we need to keep driving into this team. This is a team which needs momentum. They need to know which is expected, not just in the league, but any league. If you want to be a good team, that's what you need, unquote. Okay, Emilio, I want to go to you first. You were at the match. Those were comments from Scott Parker after the match. You and I talked about you had not heard those. So just give me your initial reaction to what Scott Parker said. Hi there, Russ. Hi there, Max. Um, yeah, first time I've heard those comments. You know, obviously we, we did the, the uh, initial sh- post reaction show last night, and I agree with some of those. In the first part, twenty minutes, I think we all concur. We were dire, we were dismal in that first twenty twenty five minutes, and at least he acknowledged that. And yes, we did grow into the game, and I think a lot of that's also not because of the character we showed. I think QPR let us off the hook. You know, at the end of the day, they didn't take their chances to go two or three nil up. We we sort of took advantage. We're always going to get a chance or two in that half. They've got probably the, the leakiest, one of the leakiest defences in the division. And uh, it showed yesterday, you know, but we, we didn't always capitalise as much as we could do. So first half comments I agree with. And I think we, you know, we, we, we fortuitously went into half time um, on level terms. Second half, yeah, we did change things around. Um, Bobby Reid came and I think made a difference in playing in a sort of free role. Um, but I disagree with his overall comments that we deserve to win. I don't think we deserve to win the game last night on overall chances, efforts and goal, bad luck, good luck, whichever way, whichever side of the fence you're looking at. I thought we, we, we were fortunate to get away with three, all three points and QPR will be very disappointed they came away with nothing. So, yes, we showed character to come back from a goal down. You know, good to see that. But it's this, this, this issue time and time again, I've lost count how many games we start poorly first half we barely get out of the blocks the other teams are against us Nottingham Forest was another game that springs to mind in the season right they pressed high up the pitch they, they they were forcing us into problems we were looking very nervous very panicky very disorganized QPR they got that early goal they should have scored one a few minutes later with an open goal staring in the face and uh, you know I, I said it yesterday I think we've got to thank QPR for not taking their chances and uh, but yeah we showed some character showed some discipline disappointed maybe the way we sort of closed the last 20 minutes. I think we could have been a little bit more positive and gone on to score more. But, you know, Parker made the changes to sort of protect the lead rather than to go and actually go and get a third goal. And um, you know, overall, you know, mixed mixed reactions from me. I agree with his first half comment. Second right. half, I'm slightly, I, I slightly disagree. Okay, very good. Max, over to you. Thoughts on what Emilio just shared from the head coach press of those uh, comments I shared. And feel free to talk about your thoughts on the match, the victory for Fulham? Yeah, I know. I see where Emilio's coming from, um, but I do think we deserve to win the match. I think he may have been a bit harsh on us, but to be fair, the first half start was terrible. Uh, it reminded me almost of the whole city start, the way we played at home. Teams have found a way to counter our style of play. Press us high at the pitch, get us flustered, and when we play at home, we don't know how to respond. So we owe a massive debt to QPR for missing those chances. Emilio's 100% <laughs> right. But I think we have to give a little more credit to our response. And we got that goal at a perfect time towards the end of the first half. And there were periods in that second half, guys, when I thought we were the best we played all season. It was attack after attack after attack. And although it wasn't consistent, I think we were really swashbuckling. We were all over them. And we probably deserved to get more than the two goals we had. So I can see what Emilio is saying, where we started very poorly. And we easily could have been down 3-0. 
in the first 15, 20 minutes. But I think in, in the overall scheme of things, QPR I thought were pretty poor in the second half, didn't offer much uh, in the last 45. And although, you're right, we became way too defensive. It was a classic, nervy, Fulham ending. I still think we deserve, we deserve the three points. But consistency is another massive worry. And we haven't put in a full 90 minutes all season. We have not. I think you could say. So that's the one thing. Heading into the festive period, heading into the second half of the season, when are we going to get a consistent performance? Well, let's go back to you. Because what's interesting about this, and you guys both agree and I agree with you, it's obvious the beginning stages of of this match was poor. And I I said this on full-time, Max. I don't know if you listened to it. And I wanted to give full credit to... QPR and Mark Warburton because his game plan was spot on. And uh, as I read in, in the head coach presser, it sounds like Scott Parker made some adjustments at the half. Obviously, later on in the second half, you have the uh, substitution, which I think made a difference as well. But why do you think, it, again, we wait to the half to make the changes and then things change? But there always seems to be, especially at home, as you guys are talking about, Hull City, Nottingham Forest, teams know how to play against us, and we seem to always come out very sluggish. But I think that comes down to the opponent's game plan, Max. What are your thoughts on that? Are we just not approaching it in the right manner to start these matches against these opponents that have a good game plan? It's baffling because... On one hand, you have the international break. And theoretically, for players not away on duty with their country, it should be more time for players to get fit, get ready, know the game plan. Now, I think you can make the argument that as Fulham, we're a bigger club. We have more players who play for the international sides. And coming back to an early Friday night kickoff, we're going to be a little more, more sluggish. They might be tired. I know Tim Ream, I was watching him, played a game um, in the uh, Cayman Islands against Cuba in, in midweek. and had to come back and play in West London for a 7.45 kickoff on Friday. So for him, I think that might explain how he was so poor. It's because a long travel date, he just played a couple of days earlier um, in a very far away place. So that's one explanation for Tim Ream's terrible performance. But it, it's not only after international breaks when we play it like this. So that can't all explain right. it. And it has to, But it's not necessarily that we start every interval poorly because when we come out of the second half, I think oftentimes the season, you'll find... I'd say probably 30%, 40% of our goals have come in that period from the 45th minute to the 55th minute. Yeah, we like to score goals point. in that time. So Scott Parker obviously knows how to motivate players coming out of, out of halftime interval. But when we start matches, you're right. Teams know how to press us. Maybe they run out of steam in the second half, and that's why we play better. Okay. It's, it's pretty baffling because we do have the quality, and we shouldn't always be going behind right. and being second best in that first couple minutes. Right. Emilio, back to you, because you and I have talked about this several times. It's frustrating. I, I want to see a 90-minute performance, but especially mm-hmm. at Craven Cottage, teams are prepared to play against us, and we seem to react poorly. I don't know if it's just on the players. I'm going to put it on everyone, including the coaching staff, because this has been a consistent situation. Foam come out very sluggish, and the other team takes advantage of it, gets a goal, and then we're playing from behind or playing really just to catch up. We're weathering the storm. I felt that FOMO weathering the storm against QPR. That shouldn't be happening at home, Emilio. So what are your thoughts about this? Yeah, it is time and time again. We do come out of the blocks very, very slowly. And if I look at the whole game, a slightly different context, 
I saw Hull, they invited us to keep possession, but That's were right. trying to pressurise us they, in the mistake. They so took right, a different approach. They took a different approach. They were actually, I wouldn't say necessarily sitting back, but they allowed us to keep possession, take have 90% possession, they were saying Fulham, keep passing the ball sideways, backwards. So inevitably, you're going to make a mistake. And with our pacey plays, we're, we're going to force you into those mistakes and take and get possession away from you. And that's what Hull did and where they counted well, and we paid the price for it. Yesterday, QPR came right up the top of the pitch, forcing us into areas. And I think what we haven't necessarily focused on is the midfield. I thought Reed uh, had an awful game, his worst performance in the Fulham shirt. Tom Kearney was anonymous. Johansson you know, not, didn't do nothing. I actually thought the lack of presence in midfield also put pressure on our defence yesterday. And I okay. thought the defence, at the best of times, can be quite nervous. You know, when you know when we got a reputation for conceding goals and being a little bit sloppy, you didn't they didn't have the the players sitting in front of the defense also not adding any support or or cover. So therefore, I think it's a combination of both. I know we're focusing on the defensive frailties there, but right. midfield added, added no value. QPR going straight through that midfield yesterday in that first 25, 30 minutes. You know, some of these plays. Reed was giving a ball away most you know ninety nine times out of a hundred. Tom Kenny barely got a look in. Um, Johansson was running around, huffing and puffing, offering little service and little value. So you know, that, that also played into QBR's hands and felt like they were just going straight down the middle and, um, and exposing our weak defence. Very interesting, Paul. Let me ask you this because we haven't talked about this in a while. Have Fulham missed Harry Arter? Absolutely. I think, I think we, it's, uh, you know, he was our best, probably arguably our best player in the first few games, wasn't he? In the first half dozen games, you know, make, making his presence felt. Get you know just passing the ball sweetly, you know keeping possession, you know doing the simple things well. You know, tra- you know maybe he had a bit of a hot te- hot temperament at times, but I think <laughs> we have missed him. We've missed that sort of calm, that calm, composing presence in that midfield, an era of captaincy type of material. Right. I think we've we've missed him the last few games, and that's why we can see we've conceded a lot more goals than we were in the earlier part of the season. Okay, Max, what are your thoughts about this? I'm glad that uh, we're talking about we're trying to figure out what's going wrong. And uh, Emilio's talking about the midfield. We haven't focused, I agree with Emilio, enough on this. And I'm bringing up the loss of Harry Archer. I, I think Emilio nailed it as well. I think we've missed him, and I think it's also causing a domino effect. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I'm just a little surprised we've made it to this point of the show without even mentioning the main man at Bubukar Kamara. But, you know, I'm, I'm we sure... We will be in that. just a second. <laughs> we'll get that later. I'm, I'm only joking. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's a worry. And I think mentioning the missing player is key. Harry Archer has been gone ever since the Stoke away match, uh, if, if I'm correct, when he got that nasty slash across the leg. And that feels like ages ago. So we've missed him because he's a great presence in there, as Emilio said. That's right. Keeping possession um, and just sitting in front of that back back four. Also, you know, missing Mitrovic. I think that's also a key part of this, that we're missing arguably our best player. So although I don't, I don't think that ties into the midfield issues, sure. we're missing our best finisher, our really talismanic figure. The fact that we still got the win, I think, is impressive. Uh, and I think when you guys mentioned when Bobby Reed came in, I thought the match changed. He was superb. He showed me a lot in that midfield position that we were missing earlier. Connecting That's very interesting that you said taking, that. I'm sorry to break yeah. in, Max, because uh, Emilio said on full time that was the turning point in the match. Oh, yeah, completely right. Completely right. Because I think a lot of it was he's not necessarily the best defensive player. No one sees him as someone who protects the back floor. But because how positive he was, he took the pressure off and we shifted it from really being under pressure to putting pressure on QPR. So he impressed me a lot. I've given him a lot of stick because I know how good he can be, and I haven't seen him play up to his potential. But I think on Friday night, he really did. Okay, excellent. 
And well, that's because as well, Matt. Sorry, can I just say as well? Go ahead, that, Amelia. I don't know if we're going to cover it later, but this whole enigma of Bobby Reed, to be honest, you know, when I had a lot of debate with the guys behind me and around me at the ground yesterday saying, well, Bobby Reed should have started. They went, absolutely not. Every time Bobby Reed starts a game, he does nothing. He's ineffective, doesn't know what his role is, doesn't know what his position is, and he's been running around like a headless chicken. He only is making a difference when he comes on as a half-time substitution or coming to play in a free role and trying to make a difference and trying to rescue a point or a victory. That's the only time I've seen him this season to add value and make a, and make a consistent difference. You know, all four, you know, Kamara starting, we'll talk about that shortly, but... Sure. Every time Robbie Reed comes on as a substitute, you know, you, you see him adding a bit more energy, a bit more pace. Mm. Defence is struggling to keep up with him. But but when they when they ever start, start seeing him in the starting lineup, what what's he done of note? I can't recall anything that he's made a significant difference when he's actually start being in the starting eleven. Hence the reason why he's always on the bench in the subsequent game. So uh yeah, I don't I so there's a bit of an enigma there with Bobby Reed, to be totally honest with you. Yep. That's a good point. And Max, I want to go back to you because uh, again I'm talking about what Emil and I talked about on full-time. He was mentioning that what is his best position? We're talking about Bobby Reed. And Emil just mentioned talking about coming off the bench. What are your thoughts about Reed's role with Fulham? I, I still don't know, Russ. That's that's the scary part is that when he signed for us, I remember his performance. I thought it was going to be a, a goal scorer, just a goal scorer. Yeah. Someone that could just score goals in yeah, different positions, but score goals. Yeah. When we played against him with Bristol and Cardiff, that's who he was. He was a striker, got in behind the defense, good pace, great runs, good finisher. But we haven't really seen him played centrally. We played him some one match when he kind of played off Mitrovic. I thought that that's was right. fine. But he's been out wide. He's been in sentiment field. I can't tell you what his best position is. But if you look <laughs> at his best performances, which would have to be last night yes. and the match against Charlton, I'd say those both were from kind of central midfield, wide midfield areas. That's Not a central striker. It's very interesting. It's like Emilio said, it's an enigma and it's up to Scott Parker to get the most out of him. But right now, as Emilio said, it, it's pretty evident he is effective coming into a match in the second half as a substitute. It's working. So uh, maybe that should be his role until he proves he could have a more, I guess you could say, starting role. Because uh, as Emilio said, he hasn't been as effective. He's been more effective from the bench. It's very interesting. I'm glad that we're talking about that. Okay. Now it's time to talk about Abubakar Kamara because I have some comments from the head coach presser about him. This is before we talk about the starting 11, the 18 overall. I just want to talk about Abubakar a little bit because here's what Scott Parker had to share. Quote, Abu's not been a problem since he stepped into this role. One thing you can guarantee with Abu is that when he steps onto the field, he'll give you everything. We saw that tonight, and he topped off his performance with two very good goals, two very good finishes. Maybe the perception on the outside is very different to the reality. And the reality is he's a very respected member of the squad. He is a grafter, and he deserved his goals today, unquote. Amelia, over to you. What are your thoughts on what Scott Parker had to share about Abubakar Kamara, who scored two goals? Yeah, so fairly fairly select chosen words. I think those those were t- were written in sort of quite quite subtly. I think to be totally honest, after what happened twelve months ago. But you know, it's it's he's 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 worked hard. You can you can see a sort of a I'm not saying a reborn Kamara. Even when I saw him came on against Hull City a few weeks ago, he didn't have that 
that sort of 200 mile an hour type of attitude, you know, being, um, you know, running, you know, running only northwards and not looking sideways upwards. Now I've seen a sort of more more of a a calm, composed professional holds the ball up well, looks around him, does the simple things, doesn't try to do the spectacular or unspectacular for that matter. But, you know, again, it's pleasing that Parker's given him the chance, you know, obviously grabbed the chance with both arms yesterday with both those goals. Um, but yeah, and maybe hopefully, maybe he's reborn, rejuvenated, because I've just seen a slight, a different temp, not the hot-headed person that we've we've been accustomed to seeing. You know, unpredictability. I think we, we're now starting to see a player maybe who's maturing. Maybe maybe Parker's to be rec- needs to be acknowledged for that. Maybe giving him the coaching that he needed to just maybe. calm himself down. You know, you're still young. You've got potential. You've got pace. You know, as an asset. You know, you know, you you can you can you can add value to this squad. And obviously, he came off you know as a substitute against Hull. Yep. Started, yes, then you know he's. What more can he do? You know he he he, he, he took his goals well, and you know all he can do is he's paid to do a job. Took his yep. chance, and you know it's a dilemma now for uh, for Scott Parker, as we mentioned last <laughs> night. Does he start next week in a slightly different role if Mitrovic is going to naturally return back to his starting position? So, uh, but yeah, fair comments from Parker. Yep. Fairly fairly mild, subtle, but I think he needs to be re- applauded also for coaching Kamara after the nonsense what happened to Huddersfield last year. That's a great point. Over to you, Max, your thoughts on the comments from Scott Parker about Abubakar Kamara, what Emilio shared, and I'll just share my thoughts on this as well, because Emilio said a word that, again, this is the first match I can remember with Abubakar that I saw some maturity, that Emilio said maybe he is maturing. He did not have that hot-headed attitude. He had a professional attitude. He just did his job in this match and was effective in it. And, again, he did not look like the raw player that we've seen in several games. What are your thoughts about Abubakar Kamara, the comments from Scott Parker, and what Emilio and I shared as well? I'm delighted for him, first off. I think Tony Khan actually said it best in a tweet. Um, that he said exactly what you guys were saying. He matured so much for the past you know, 10 months. But I think anything, it's just – shows what can happen when you have good man management, right? When what happened with Kamara last season was in a large part a result of Ranieri's terrible uh, handling of the situation. Ranieri pushed a player away from the fold when he needed a, an arm around his shoulder and an encouraging word. And what's crucial for Kamara, I think, is someone who believes in him. Someone who says, listen, as I mentioned, you have potential, you're a great player. You just need to know that you're valued here. And Ranieri did the opposite worst thing when someone needs to know they're valued he exiled him to the under twenty ones, and that's when all the um, the unpleasantries followed. So, for me, I always knew Kamara is a great player. I'm so happy to see him do well because he deserves it. He knows how to finish so well in one on one situations. A lot of people give him stick, but the fact of the matter is, he hasn't been given the opportunity. It's his second start of the season. The first start was the first match of the season in early August. So the fact that he's come back here, you guys are mentioning you haven't seen a mature performance from him this season. We haven't seen a 90 minutes from him all season. He hasn't right. given the chance. So when he gives him the chance, and also, let's be clear, I can't remember the last time he's played as a central striker. The Kamara we've seen for the past two, two and a half seasons has been a winger. So maybe his preferred position, when it actually is up, up the middle, he can play really well. Now, I think there's no way he's going to take over <laughs> Mitch Rich's role. Of course, he'll play in the wing. But right. I, just, I just love the way he played because, as you guys mentioned, there was hold-up play. There's yes. great passes. There's runs in behind. There are confident finishes. There are headers. There are slotted goals. It was everything you possibly could have wanted from him. And he 
He was a team player. He was a grafter, as Parker mentioned. And it, I think it's just really nice because a, a lot of people love to give this guy stick for reasons I can't understand. But it's always been clear to me he's done everything because he wants Fulham to win. I think he really loves this club. I think he loves to win more than anything. And I'm just so happy it all came off for him. It did. He played his uh, role very well as a central striker. And uh, it's funny because I remember when he scored his first goal and the announcer on the broadcast we watched, Max, basically said he did what Mitrovic would do. He headed it really well. He had positioned himself really well and scored the goal. He deserved that. And uh, he played a a really good match. And uh, we're going to talk about man of the match in a bit because I did a poll. And uh, just a little... Heads up, uh, Abubakar Kamara is leading in that poll for obvious reasons, but we have some other players that got some votes as well. We'll talk about that in a bit. But this is going to lead us now into talking about the starting 11 and the 18 overall. And, Max, I'll go to you first, and I'll just share my thoughts because I actually wanted Bobby Reed to start. So, Emilio, I got that one wrong, and I actually predicted he would score two goals. I didn't <laughs> predict Abubakar uh, Kamara, so let's just say – Russ got that one wrong. And now I'm starting to see what you're talking about as uh, Bobby Reed's role. I'm starting to see that. But I thought he would get the start, so I got that completely wrong. I'll I'll admit that. Also, Steven Sessegnon not being part of the A-team was, again, uh, very curious. This has now been happening a little bit. Max, over to you on the starting 11 and the 18 overall. Yeah, I was pleased to see Kamara up front alongside knockout Cavalero. And I think the back four was a boost because Joe Bryan returned. So I think if we Great missed point. him, again, it's nice to have him back. However, he was perhaps at fault for that first goal, but it still was nice to have some kind of consistency back there. You know, mentioned again, Adoy on the right, on the right back role. I thought he was also excellent last night. Absolutely superb. It's amazing. He's still with the club after all the trials and tribulations he's been through, <laughs> promotion, relegation, all these things. But, he has been a consistent performer for so many years for us. Great assist for that goal. Yeah, and then the midfield three, fairly standard. You know, Kenny, Reed, Johansson. Nice to see actually Kevin McDonald on the bench and make a late appearance. He's been right. pretty peripheral lately. But I can't have any complaints about starting 11. I was very happy with it. Okay. Emilio, over to you. I think you had mentioned to me that uh, you wanted to see Kamara get the start. Well, you got the start. Give me your overall thoughts on the uh, starting 11 and the 18 overall. I'm glad that Max mentioned Joe Bryan coming back. We kind of had a feeling he might, if you've watched the uh, Monday night Fulham fix when Joe Bryan was on, he was hoping that he'd be able to play Friday night. He wasn't sure at that point. Well, he played. And I think, uh, again, I'm glad that we had him back. What were your thoughts about the 11, starting 11 and the 18? Yeah, yeah, Kamara absolutely pleased. You know, I had like I said, I was in the minority amongst our fans closest to me. You know, really keen to see what he could do, knowing how unpredictable he is. But get even against Hull City, that sort of sec- that second half performance, he showed he showed maturity there. He was very calm, measured. You know, looking up, holding the ball well. He wasn't running just one way direction like he was in the Championship a couple of seasons ago. So, and we, he demonstrated that throughout the game last night. So, very pleased to see him given that opportunity. Not surprised that Joe Bryan started. Yes, agree with Max. He, you know, he, he could have done better with that first goal and keep, you know, trying to be a lot closer to the defender. And you know, I've, I've said this time and time again. You know, I, I applaud Joe Bryan when he comes forward with his set pieces, crossing, but he worries me in defence. You know, time and time again, I don't think he gets enough criticism 
for his weaknesses in defence. If, if I actually have to go and go and a bit of do a bit of analysis of how many how many goals have we conceded in defence from defence thanks to Joe Bryan's season, I think we'd be brutally surprised. So, but that's some, someone who's got time to do some stats will see <laughs> that. But you know, I'm, I am nervous about Joe Bryan defensively. Overall, he's not consistent enough for me and doesn't do enough to block balls going into the box or stay close enough to attacking opposition players. But overall, no surprise. They're pleased that Rodak retained his position. So I think, and he proved yesterday that unless he starts to go off the ball or make some terrible mistakes, you know, but Bettinelli will struggle to get back into that, that starting eleven. But healthy competition is what we want to see. We want to see healthy competition in the team. But the only thing I noted last night to you, Russ, as well, I'll say it again now, is the bench looked a little bit lightweight. Yep. The in that squad, that, that's also a concern for me. You know, we haven't had many long-term injuries. Arthur, you could argue, is all, he's been out for a month or so. But right. we haven't had big, serious injuries. We, we might, like Mawson last season, we lost him for a few months. Um, another type of play. So at the moment, we're fine, but that that bench looks a little bit light. It does. And we've got back-to-back fixtures over the next two or three months going through Christmas New Year's, and that, this could be a testing time for our squad. Is the squad a little bit too thin? I've been thinking of that as well, Emilio. And what was interesting, if you looked at the bench, there were some youngsters on there. And it was, listen, it's good to see Matt O'Reilly included, but it also shows that maybe we are light. So I'm glad that you are. Uh, Talked about that as well. It's something to uh, keep an eye on because if we do hit some injuries, I think our bench will be tested, uh, you know, again, our depth. Because I think as a starting 11 and maybe a few players beyond that, I think we're okay. But overall depth, I think we're lacking a little bit. I think we're lacking some coverage. So it's, it's good by you to mention that. Whether taking a road trip to the beach, heading to the mountains, or driving to the city, summer adventures are nonstop fun in a new Honda. But let's face it, summer trips can really add up. That's why I love the fuel efficiency of Honda. With Honda, you can save your money for other things, like that awesome keychain at the convenience store, that brand new album you wanted, or whatever else your heart desires. New Hondas are arriving daily. See your local Honda dealer and start your summer adventures today. Okay. All right, guys. Let's get into talking about the first half. I'll just stop at some key moments. We've already talked about that. The first 20 to 25 minutes were horrible for form. I think that goes without saying anyone that watched the match is going to agree with that. And it listen, it started off at, at the uh, very beginning. And uh, Emilio, let's just stop here. We have to talk about something that happened in the third minute. We're talking about from the get-go, QPR score on, you know, it started with uh, a couple of mistakes from form from Merrick Rodak, ball out. And then it just continued from there. And give me your view of the opening goal here of the match from QPR. Yeah, we just didn't. It felt like you were just still in training mode, you know. It just literally just, you know, the referee blew the whistle. And from that moment, I can't remember how many times, you know, his opening three or four minutes. Did, did the actual ball go in the QPR half at any point in time? It just feels like we're under under a barrage, like a siege of pressure back to back. And in all fairness to QPR, they get pressing and pressing and pressing. We looked very nervous in defence. There was no midfield there, you know, like, as I mentioned earlier, you know, literally just going straight down the middle. And they just kept pressing and pressing. And, you know, Rodak, inexplicably, I don't know what, who he was trying to pass the ball to there, but gave the ball away for a throw-in. We never really recovered. Joe no. Bryant, you know, giving too much space to the to the winger to get the ball into the box. And it was, you know, it, it was each player was looking at each other. Was that is that you? Is that yeah. me? Is that you? Is it me? That's and right. It, it was just, go back to basics, guys. You know, regroup and go back and 
start again. And, and it, to be honest, as soon as that goal went in, it was the same thing for the next five, ten minutes again. It was just more That's pressure. Right. More pressure and more pressure. More but pressure. That, that goal could have been avoided. It just felt like we just were disorganised. We didn't we didn't anticipate that level of intensity from QPR. I think that's I think Mike Warburton outfought and outcoached Scott Parker there. Um, yep. We mentioned that last night, and we just we, we didn't know what to do. Really, we just literally just didn't know what to hit us. So, all fairness, QPR should have been doing a lot within the first ten minutes. Totally agree. They had another great opportunity soon after that, and then in the fifteenth minute, it was almost an own goal by Tim Ream. Hits the post. Thankfully, it did not go in. That would have been, uh, again, but that comes from pressure, as you said, Emilio. That really was about QPR. And uh, Fulham did not match their intensity. That was a great word that you used because I completely agree with that. And Fulham were really just holding on at this point. And then we have to now stop to the equalizer for Fulham in the 26th minute. And, Max, I'll give you the honors because this was just great by two players. So I, We have to single out or actually mention both of them here. I want to mention Dennis Adoy because his cross, that was a fantastic cross. Dennis doesn't get enough credit, and he deserves it in this match, not just for the cross, but this was really a wonderful cross that sets up Abubakar Kamara, and maybe this is the maturity we're talking about, Max. Your thoughts on the equalizer from Abubakar Kamara? Yeah, and it wasn't only the cross from Adoy, right? It was the spin move, the great dribble in right. that position. Because I watched this, and I'm thinking, Dennis, what are you doing? <laughs> He's going back towards own goal, then, but then he always has this this penchant for the audacious. You know, his debut we saw it against Newcastle. He controlled the ball with his back, and and sent the Newcastle defender spinning. This time he does a, a spin move, a great little audacious flick to to lose a QPR defender, and then it's a great cross for us because he's from a long way out. He yeah. whips out with his right foot right to Kamara, who actually has some really great movement to get free. He was in the right place, Max. But even so, that's that's still a long lap for a header, honestly. And he just cushioned it so well into that bottom left-hand corner. Yep. People have mentioned it. Maybe Mitrovic puts out the keeper, puts it over. He's missed, honestly, a couple of pretty notable headers in recent weeks, Mitrovic. But Kamara, what a nicely cushioned finish. And I was just it was just such a great moment because it was a bit against the run of play. We hadn't created that much before then. But yep. to get that goal at that time and from that header, it was it was amazing. Okay. And what's interesting about this situation, Fulham equalized, it's now 1-1, and QPR have not changed their mentality. They now take advantage of another mistake from Fulham, the 29th minute. Naki Wells is one-on-one with Marek Rodak, and Marek Rodak stepped up. He stepped up with some huge saves in this match. This is the one that really stands out to me in the 29th minute. And then just four minutes later, you have Ivan Cavallaro hitting the post. Fulham could have gone up 2-1 and really honestly didn't, wouldn't have deserved it based on the opening stages of this match from QPR. QPR were far better, the better team. I think we all agree on that. Max, I do want to go back to you. It was probably a few minutes after the Cavalero hit the post. There was uh, a situation with Anthony Knockhart in the box. And I saw the replay. I I think Mm. you saw the replay as well. I want to get your thoughts on this Mm. because I don't think Emilio got a good look at this at Craven Cottage. We were talking about this off air. Do you think this was a penalty? Yes. Yes, it was. And the sad thing was, Knockart, not something you'd, you'd imagine would stay on his feet. He does himself a disservice, unfortunately, by staying on his feet and, and continuing with the play. Because it's very clear Amos clips Knockart's heel, doesn't get anywhere near the ball. Knockart slips, stumbles, 
but essentially keeps his footing and continues on with the match. And I think if he goes down, unfortunately, in the modern game, it rewards you going down and then really protesting for it. If he went down and didn't continue on, I think that's 100% a penalty because it was clear that Amos didn't get anywhere near him. But the fact that Knockart continued the play, Fulham continued their attack, and went along with the match, that unfortunately made it so the referee didn't, didn't take it seriously. But, you know, I've seen the replay, yeah. and it's pretty clearly a penalty. Amos gets no near the ball and just kicks Knockart's standing foot. That's what it looked like to me when I watched the replay. When we're watching it live, I really couldn't tell. But when you get to see the replay, I would recommend people seeing that because, again, if you're interested, if you're wondering, good replay shows that. So I just want to mention that. And then um, shortly after that, you have the free kick from Stefan Johansson. And then we have the last real moment of the first half. And, Emilio, I'm going to go to you because, again, as we're talking about and I – want to give full credit, and I keep saying this to QPR, because even with all this going on, they kept pushing. And again, we have a situation in the 43rd minute. Rodak makes a save that comes off of Moss, and it could have been another situation with an own goal. What was going through your mind when you saw this at the end of the first half? I thought, wow, you know, top, top, top draw save. And I thought you know, his reactions to get down, yes. down and save that. I thought that was a better save than the one we were mentioning earlier when he made himself big in front of that. That's Netflix. right. His reactions to get down to that, to that, to, to that, for that deflection was amazing. So, uh, yeah, all credit to Rodak for anticipating that and just being aware and, and having that, you know, presence. But, uh, but again, QPR another day. You know, we've said it before. You don't take your chances in this, in this, in any game. You're going to get punished. And that's right. And I thought when they 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 didn't take their chances in the first twenty minutes when they were on top with that level of possession and opportunities and you know good luck in their favour. Or you only got you're only one nil ahead. You know you need not enough. And I thought we were gr- slowly growing into that second second part of the first half. And that's right. It was only a matter of time that we were going to put a bit more pressure on the opposition. And obviously we scored from that great Dennis Adoy cross. But you know give the QPR credit. But how long could they could sustain that level of intensity? I think it was only going to be a matter of time that they were going to run out of steam. And I think second half we saw that. I thought they had to sort of play a slightly different game. And you know we'll talk about that in a moment. But ultimately, when you have that level of chances that level of pressure away from home and you come away with only a one, you know, a one all, you know, any opposite, any team will be disappointed with that outcome. Okay. Excellent. Emilio, I want to go back to you. Let's now talk about the second half before we get to talking about it. As I mentioned, Scott Parker said he, I'm paraphrasing, made some changes in the second half. Did you notice anything different coming out in the second half? I'm curious. We just, you know, but um, Harrison Reed coming off, and that was, I don't know if it, the intention was to replace um, him with Reed because obviously he picked up a knock. Um, Harrison right. Reed, he was, it was disappointing all night, to be honest, which, you know, which is sad to see because I, I like him. He's a busy little player, um, you know, running around and always keeping his head high and sort of doing the simple things. But yesterday he had a very bad game. And yeah, I just saw we pressed up the pitch a lot more. I think Bobby Reid allowed us to do that, but we also left ourselves a okay. little bit more exposed in. In defence and in central midfield, so but that was a risk we took. You know, so you know, maybe Scott Parker said, you know, we went out there, to, let's push up a little bit more. We are the home team. We're attacking against our in front of our home supporters. Let's let's get at let's get at QPR ourselves. And we started to see Knockhart really getting into the game. Absolutely, Nero on the other side, both of them offering you know 100 percent you know speed from both flank. QPR couldn't cope. You know, they couldn't. holding up the That's ball well, fighting the you know the Cavaleros and Knockhart's good one touch movement. So for 20 minutes, we were dominant. And to be honest, we'd be disappointed. We were, and I think we've said this before, 
when we have that level of pressure and intensity and chances, we're not clinical enough. You know, we're not we're not scoring those. We end up hitting the post, hitting it over, hitting it wide. We're a bit wasteful. And and again, whether it's bad luck last night, whether we hit the post again, but you need to be taking some of those chances. You know, knockouts and Cavaleros when they're in the championship a couple of years ago, they were they were scoring for fun. Yeah, these guys are struggling to score goals. Now, it's, maybe that's a conversation for another day, but <laughs> why aren't we seeing these guys converting these chances game after game? They've done it for Brighton. They've done it for Wolverhampton Wanderers. That's right. They're struggling to do it for Fulham. It's very interesting because we're talking about an opportunity, a couple from Knockhart and one from uh, Cavallaro coming up because it's, it's a good point by you. And uh, But let's now really get into talking about the second half. And we have to start off again talking about Marek Rodak because he, he makes a, a save in the 46 minutes just to start the second half. And then as you mentioned, Emilio, you think is the turning point. Bobby Reed comes on for Harrison Reed, who comes off injured. And Fulham with like a different side. So that's a good point by you to bring that up. And then you have, again, uh, a shot by Narkart in the 55th minute. I want to give credit to the goalkeeper on this, but that was a decent opportunity for Fulham. And after that, Max, I want to go to you. What, let's talk about, the match winner from Fulham from Abubakar Kamara. This is set up from Stefan Johansson. But really, it starts with what QPR was doing to Fulham. Fulham were now doing to QPR because they caused their goalkeeper to make a mistake, Lumley. And it leads to the goal from Kamara. Share with us your view of this. Yeah, I mean, the pass from the keeper is right to Johansson. I've never seen anything like it. It's almost like they're taking the page out of the David Budden. Uh, school of passing out the back, so that was that was nice to see for us. But then Johansson, credit to him, it's 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 a great first touch, great second yep. uh, touch to pass right into Kamara's path. He stays on side, very nice first touch, and he sets himself so well. He opens up his body, and it's a tough angle because I think the keeper actually does well to, sh- to shut off the angle. Kamara, in a way, telegraphs exactly where he's going to place it, but it's a good finish. It takes a nick off the keeper, but it's right in that far corner. Perhaps right. he could have squared the ball. I know if he missed that chance, Knockhart would have absolutely killed him for not squaring it to him. But <laughs> such a such a nice goal. And these are all the things when when people criticize Kamara, what do they say? They say he has no footballing brain. All he's all pace and power. He doesn't have, he doesn't have any composure. Well, he's these just two goals fly and in exactly. the face of that. And yeah. Russ, I've been saying this for years. I mean, I've been saying, look at his goals. Look at his composure. Yes, he he misses some chances. Yes, he takes some speculative long range efforts. Yes, he sometimes slips and falls over. But I'd rather have a player who makes an impact, who tries, who tries to be something more than just an Andre Sherla who's ineffective. I want my attackers to be Mavericks. And he actually is, I think, a very good finisher. People don't give him credit for that. He gets in these really good positions. And honestly, more often than not, he's going to slot them in the back of the net when given the chance. So I was just so delighted for him because he shows all his critics that he's not the player they think he is. And that brace was just an example of how nuanced he can be. It's, he's not a black and white player. He's not just someone you lump the ball up to and he chases it and, and runs fast and kicks it hard. He's much more than that. Okay, excellent there, Max. All right. And uh, right after that, again, Fulham had an opportunity, a couple, to put this match away. You have great opportunity from Anthony Knockhart. He hits the post. And then shortly after that, I, I believe it was either side netting or the post, you have Cavallaro's opportunity and as Emilio said, maybe with their other teams, they, they score these goals for some reason. They're not scoring it with Fulham enough that we were expecting. And I understand where Emilio's coming from this because uh, 
I expected more from these players, and it's something that uh, it's just curious that it really hasn't come to fruition the way that I thought it would. But there's still time this season, obviously, for this all to come together. Okay, Emilio, let's end with talking about how Fulham ended this match. And you already talked about this. I want to have a discussion on the substitutions because you felt that Fulham went very negative and didn't need to. So let's talk about this, and then I'll get Max's opinion on the substitutions and how Fulham ended the match. Yeah, it's disappointing, really. You know, I'm surprised that knockout was taken off. I actually thought he was our most liveliest player in that second half. You know, him and Bobby Reed were... Were running, you know, running direct. Knockhart was causing all sorts of problems, having half chances, hit the post, hit the side netting. He was looking very, very dangerous. And I, the fact that he was taken off, that I think all fans around us were very, very surprised by that change. If anything, I would have said, you know what, Kamara ran his socks off for seventy minutes. Uh, sub him, let him get a, a round of applause from the whole stadium. You know, people get, that would have been more appropriate. Put maybe Bobby Reed up front, test him for twenty minutes, playing in that striker role. And then, and then let Knockhart and Cavalera continue to play as they were. I just found it a little bit baffling that Knockhart was taken off. He was probably, like I said, probably our best player in that second half for that first 25 minutes. He got taken off and we went back to playing sort of 3-5-2 or 5-3, whatever you want to look at it. But either way, we were just too negative. And Bobby Reed then went off the boil. Cavalera barely got a look in. Defensively, OK, we sort of held, held ourselves. QBR didn't really create much havoc per se. But why were a home team against an average team in this division. The team has not kept a clean sheet all season, yet we, did, we felt it was appropriate to protect our 2-1 lead and go with five at the back. Just I thought that was quite, quite I would say, quite negative, you know, in my opinion. I thought we, we carried on and just changed things around, maybe taking off Kamara after having a heroic performance, change it around that way rather than going five at the back. Very, very negative and very disappointing, really. Another day, if we imagine we got considered a late equaliser, Parker would have been lambasted for that substitution, but it was it was negative. The rest of the team offered very, we offered very little thereafter. So um, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't best pleased with that substitution, to be totally honest. Okay, and that's uh, Cyrus Christie substitution. Max, over to you. I want to get your view on this. I actually had someone on Twitter again, just uh, basically disagree with uh, this view. You know, again, Emilio's view. I, I understand where Emilio's coming on. Where, where do you fall on this? Yeah, I was actually having a conversation with my dad about this, and, and he texted me, keep the skilled players on the pitch. Why are we taking out our best players and, and putting on K-Mac, mm-hmm. essentially? So he agrees um, with Emilio. And he agrees. And, and I'm, I'm torn because, listen, as Emilio said, we're not playing Manchester City. We're not playing Liverpool. There's no need to <laughs> shut up shop and protect this lead like mm-hmm. it's the most valuable three points ever. We could have probably afforded to go out there and get a third. We didn't need the time wasting. We didn't need those terrible, terrible, nervy five minutes of stoppage time uh-huh. where I was convinced we would have conceded. I mean, that <laughs> final quarter, they had a great shot on goal there. Oh, that, was, that was ridiculous. It was abysmal. We should not be hanging on, as Miller said, to a three points in a home match against QPR. That's almost, as I'll say, a small club mentality. So, on one hand, I think it was almost inviting pressure yeah. to put on those defensive players. But on the other hand, we probably might have been exposed if we, if we keep on attacking give the ball away, get, ca- get caught out on the counter. So, I, I'm, I mean, we can talk about it all we want, and, and it's a good philosophical debate, but we got the three points. At the end of the day, it worked. <laughs> but I think a- any phone fan you ask would rather say, go out there, get the third, don't be scared. Don't play scared. See, I agree but, with that. Yeah, yeah. And I agree with Emilio on this. And, you know, I respect people's opinions and the person who tweeted that to us. 
I respect your view on it. But I think both of you are, are backing up how I feel about this. Why not go for the juggler? Get the third goal. Because you've already showed even minutes before that that you have the ability to score that goal. So why not? Why not go in that direction? But I think he goes with, with the mentality, we just need to shut up shop. We need to just protect the lead. And I just don't like that type of mentality. I've never liked that type of mentality. I've seen it in another sport where where uh, teams do this. And I think it actually can uh, hurt you from winning a game when you have this attitude. If you're going going forward, you're you're being offensive. Stay offensive because they can't get the ball. Stay offensive. Be aggressive instead of again trying to just finish off the game defensive so i'm with both of you on that okay great stuff guys. Say, yeah, on that point as ahead, well, we had the chance you know we had kevin mcdonald on the bench we, you know if we want to add a bit of protection in that middle we could have you know taken kamara off who you know and then put bobby reed up front and then put you know puts kevin, kevin mcdonald in his natural position and that would have also right shored up the different you know the midfield protected the defense without necessarily having to go five at the back and and basically taking off, I thought that you're most lively to play in the second half. So um, yeah, just it just it did baffle me. And if there's something quite not something not right there. Knockout's not really finding his goal scoring touch or his consistency at the moment. He obviously got dropped for a few games. He's been substituted early in a few games as well. I think was it Luton Town at home. I think I recall he got substituted early, yep. which, which surprised a lot of fans. Yesterday, I didn't. You know, we were all a little bit stunned that he was substituted. So something's not quite right. Then I can't put my finger on it, but. It's, he's obviously not firing on all cylinders for various reasons, and maybe does he fit Scott Parker's way of playing as well? Well, that's something that Craig Coben brought up on a prior episode, and uh, maybe Craig does have a point on that. Yeah. Maybe he just doesn't fit. You're trying to squeeze a, a square peg into a round hole. Maybe that's what's going on here with both of them, with Cavalero too. I don't know, uh, because he believed that both of them are better counterattacking players and that you're asking them to do something different. So I'm not sure about that. It's it's a good uh, point by Craig to bring it up and also for us to talk about now because uh, it's not clicking. I'm glad that you mentioned both both of you that, that we're talking about this because it's, uh, it's a valid uh, discussion point. All right, guys, let's now look at the statistics, which are fascinating, okay? First of all, the first thing that stands out to me, I'm just going to tell you the first thing that stands out to me is the possession, 50%. It's even. Total shots, 19-11 in favor of QPR. On target, 7-4 in favor of QPR. This is the one that really stands out, and you guys obviously know this by by uh, you I mean, being at the match and us, us watching it. Corners, 11-4 in favor of QPR. Crosses, 23-13 in favor of QPR. Attempted passes slightly ahead for phone, 391-380. to uh, Attacking passes, 172-141 to in favor of foam. Passing accuracy, Fulmer only at 80%. QPR were at 76%. And uh, let's just finish up with fouls. Fulmer had 13 and QPR at 15. Emilio, what stands out to you from the full-time stats? They seem pretty even to me. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, this clearly suggests that you know, we don't deserve to win, basically. If you're looking purely on stats, yeah. that's where I disagree with Scott Parker. We deserve to win. Totally disagree. We had, we've got better quality. That goes without saying. And you know, we, those first 20, 25 minutes of the second half, we showed, you know, our true colours there. But over 90 minutes, you know, net-net, you know, those stats clearly say that QPR will be very, very disappointed. They've come away with zero, nothing from the game. So, uh, so yeah, not surprised those stats. What was surprising is the fact that 
you know, normally we talk about having 70, 80% possession and, and, you know, not getting a win or, you know, losing the game. Yesterday, look, possession doesn't mean you win games. And no. yesterday, mid 50, 50 possession and we won the game. But again, that's I think right. that's got to do with QPR's failings in front of goal. That, that's us. And I'm still, I've got, I'm grateful for QPR for being wasteful, not necessarily because Fulham were better. If you see my okay. point. Very good. Max, over to you. Yeah, I mean, I think that shows how much damage that first, you know, 20 minutes did to the staff and they're all over us. And I mean, when we have a home match where it's 50-50% possession, that's a collector's item. Remember this match because that will, that will rarely happen again all season. So, you know, credit to QPR. They came in here with the game plan and I think they'll probably feel they deserve the point. And the stats show they have more shots, more shots on target. But, you know, it's nice to be to have a change. We're the more clinical side. So we'll, we'll cherish that because we don't normally have that role in the match. Normally we're the one with all the shots and all the possession, but no end product. So I'll, I'll happily take this. Okay, excellent. All right, guys, we're going to end with talking about man of the match. Emilio and I already did this on full time. So what I decided to do was put up a poll and see what the full supporters thought of it. I put it up on the College Talk Twitter page. I've had a good amount of votes, 253 votes. So I think this is a good sampling. The three players I gave as options for man of the match were Bubakar Kamara, Marek Rodak, and Dennis Adoy. And here are the other results as we're doing this show. Abubakar Kamara, 62%. Marek Rodak, 26%. Dennis Adoy, 12%. Okay. Over to you, Max. Thoughts on the poll, and who was your man of the match? I'm a Kamara guy through and through. You know that. Uh, I thought he so much deserves this. He was the best player on the pitch there. But also, honorable mention, I think, to Rodak. I thought he had a terrible error for that first goal. But all good keepers have a short memory, and he came back and made crucial saves to keep us in the match. So I was pleased with that. And also, Dennis Adoy, I thought also was excellent. So it's nice to have all those players stepping up, and I think those are the three best players and what's interesting about those players, they're all essentially bench players. Players who started mm-hmm. the season as second best. And we like to talk about depth in the championship. We like to talk about options right. coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. I think that's a testament to our squad depth. That the best three players in that match, Kamara, Rodak, and Adoy, all you might have said at the start of the season, not going to be starting for us. So credit to the, the work done in the summer. Credit to those players for sticking with it and not losing confidence. And they all deserved uh, the accolades they'll get. Okay, before I go over to Emilio, Max, I have to go back to you talking about Marek Rodak, okay? Because I know how you feel about Marcus Bednelli. We've now had a few matches. Has he earned the number one goalkeeper role now? Do you think that it's his? Uh, I, I mean, I think Parker knows it's his, so that's the only thing that matters in my eyes. <laughs> I think he's made some really good saves. I think he has. I also think he's made big errors. But Medinelli's in the same way. So I don't see a standout keeper. If you pick me who's been more consistent this season, I'd probably say Rodak. But I don't see a massive difference in quality between the two of them, I'll be honest. Because if Medinelli had done what Rodak had done for that first goal, I think the entire Fulham social media would have imploded. I mean, he, he's coming out for a ball he'll never get to. And he made the finish for Hugo very easy, an, an empty net. If you're a keeper, you're coming out for a cross. You have to get either a strong punch on it or you stay home because you're not going to get there. That was really the worst instance of no man's land I've seen, honestly. But then again, Benelli's done the same mistake, I think, this season, to be, to be completely fair. So I think both are error-prone. 
I think Rodak has made some great saves as well as Ben Nelly. If you, if you made me choose, honestly, I'd say Rodak right now. Rodak is okay. our first team keeper, and that's how That's it very big of you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, we know that's football. That's football. <laughs> All right. Neil, over to you. We've already talked about man of the match, so I know who your man of the match is. What are your thoughts on the poll? Yeah, sort of consistent with what I said last night, you know, you know, in the same order. So, you know, if I was voting top three, it would have been by far convincing Kamara, you know, hands down. Um, Rodak, you know, made himself big, you know, um, recovered from that error at the first goal. I thought there was a few instances in the second half where his he, he commanded his box well. I think with a couple of corners where he punched the ball clear. And I think what we didn't mention in the first half, there were a couple of saves he made where he actually parried the ball out of trouble rather than back. That's right. That's a good point. You know, there was a there was a couple in that first half I recall where he actually saved well, but he part you know, put the ball into a less dangerous position. Bettinelli has been no, it's been noticeable when Bettinelli's palmed it straight back into the danger area. So I'll give Rodak maybe a little bit more plaudits. Maybe Max has done there, but I think that <laughs> I don't disagree with Max. I don't think there's much in it between the two. You know, neither are top draw staff, neither are Premier League keepers. And that this opens right. up the conversation around how many of these players are Premier League quality. Let's get there first. Let's, let's not get carried away. But <laughs> if I look right. at the, the quality of this team, how many are really going to make a difference in the Premier League? Let's not talk about it tonight. I think I will talk about if we're more likely to get promoted. But <laughs> still some alarm bells for me there. Still alarm bells. I'm not sure how, how much we would need to invest if we do get promoted. But let's get there first. But... For the champ, we're in the championship. We're playing at this level, but we also need to be doing better. But three points are three points. It's good. Not good point for Max that none of these players are starting eleven at the beginning of the season. They've all taken their that's opportunity. That's a great point. You know, so that's 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 a plus. Um, Parker, you know, you know, being a little bit bullish in that beginning of that second half, but maybe a little. Bit, I'm going to criticise him for being a little bit negative in that second half, second part of the second half. But overall, if you don't play well at home, go a goal down and still win. We shouldn't really complain, should we? But it maybe hides a few of the cracks that are still out there which need addressing. Okay, excellent. Great show, guys. Listen, this has been a fantastic show. It's been a while since I've had Emilio and Max on the same show, so it really was a treat for me. You guys did a fantastic show, but I think we need to wrap this up. For Emilio Donnell and Max Cohen, I'm Russ Cohen. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk. Whether taking a road trip to the beach heading to the mountains, or driving to the city. Summer adventures are nonstop fun in a new Honda. But let's face it, summer trips can really add up. That's why I love the fuel efficiency of Honda. With Honda, you can save your money for other things, like that awesome keychain at the convenience store, that brand new album you wanted, or whatever else your heart desires. New Hondas are arriving daily. See your local Honda dealer and start your summer adventures today. It's the 90th minute. And all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping. And you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants. 18 plus. Serving times. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.